Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is your 2022 Masters preview. It is the most magnificent sporting time of the year where we have Aintree, we have the Masters and some of the best football in the calendar. But this is your golf preview and I am your host, George Ellick. And today I'm joined by Odds Checker's very own golf tipster, Niall Lyons. And we're soon to be joined as well by golf performance analyst, Duncan Carey, as we look ahead to some of the most impressive golfers in what is the first major and some people's favourite major of the year at Augusta. We're going to go through Niall's tips that went out on the app and on site on Monday before looking at some of the market principles as well and some of the sub-markets too. But before we do that, we're going to speak to Duncan, who knows Augusta better than most and what it takes to win there. Yeah, Duncan, thank you very much for joining us today to preview the Masters. And I feel like the Masters more than any other tournament because, of course, it's at Augusta every year and because everyone who watches it, even if they watch no other golf for the rest of the year, thinks they know Augusta so well. There are a lot of myths around uh, what is needed to win at Augusta, um, what is important, what people should be looking for in terms of the profile of the player uh, when looking for their selection. So having crunched the numbers and with all your experience as well working with players, what do you think are the most important things to look at when trying to find the winner of that green jacket? Yeah, I think I think you're right in the first instance. I think um, this probably gathers more attention from casual golfers and and uh, people that aren't going to stay up and watch the the final round of the Valero Texas will definitely be watching the full week of the of the Masters. And everyone knows the course. And I think that leads into what's important around Augusta is firstly sort of knowing the course and the course experience is is really important. I think um, that bears out that you know I think uh, Sergio and Hideki last in the last few years it was their tenth. Tenth or more time playing there, um, so experience definitely bears out. And also, it's a, you know, it's people say it's the easiest major to win. Um, I don't sure if I agree it's the easiest major to win, but it's definitely a, a smaller field because um, it's a field of about 90 players to start with. But also, you've got previous winners in there who can play um, some amateur players who are unlikely to do well. So in actual fact, you've probably got to beat 40 or 50 guys. Um, to win the green jacket so it is really a, a shootout amongst the best current players in the world I would say um, but yeah going into sort of what you need to do well around Augusta um, some of the myths are right and there are a few things that um, are definitely key I think probably the most important thing is um, the approach play really um, sort of five of the last seven winners um, have finished in the top five in approach play strokes gained um, for the week and you know Nine of the last ten winners have been in the top seven of greens and regulation. So um, you need to be hitting your irons well. Um, I think if you do everything else well and you don't hit your irons well, I think you'll probably struggle to do well around there. Um, but you can probably get away with not being particularly long off the tee. And Augusta's fairly forgiving if you're not, you know, dead eye straight off the tee as well. So I think you can get away with being okay off the tee, but you have to be well play well with your irons. Um, for sure. And then just broadly, um, all of the last sort of six, seven winners have all played better than, you know, a PJ Tour average type week around the greens. And even the last 10 winners have all gone into Augusta um, being strokes gained positive around the greens in the three months leading up to um, the Masters. So you have to be good around the greens as well when you do miss the greens. And then obviously putting... Um, You've got to hold putts. I mean, that that's the same with every golf tournament. I think the putting is probably a bit overstated at Augusta. I think, um, of course, you need to putt well, but I think you can't win if you don't play well with your irons. Is the simple fact. 
And looking ahead at, at this weekend in particular, we're seeing some unsettled weather, it's fair to say, over Tuesday and Wednesday as well. We've seen the course playing very differently over the last couple of years, of course, with the November Masters back in 2020 as well. So how do you think that the conditions are going to be looking like they're going to be over the course this weekend and what kind of player could that suit? Yeah, so I think um, I think it's probably firm and dry at the moment, which would probably favour the better players. And I think... Um, that kind of negates the need to be a bomber off the tee. I think driving distance comes into a bit more into play when the course is softer. Um, I think the scoring, I think Augusta is one of those courses, but when it's soft and a bit wet, I think it probably <clears> plays quite a bit easier, as was as was shown with Dustin Johnson in November when it was played out of sync there. He he shot like 20 under par, which is a record. And, and I think you can take the pins on a bit more, which is always the key at Augusta, where they put the pins. There's a lot of greens where you can't attack them. Um, so you need to know where to hit it on the greens. The greens are softer and they, they do get some rain. I think um, it lends, it, it, you know, people that are good with their irons, it will be even more of an advantage because they can take those pins on. A bit of wind. Um, look, it's relative, isn't it? The wind around there is not the wind you get at other courses and other times of the year. So I think I think that's probably not as a massive factor as people think, really. And the type of player it so, um you know, this is always caveated with all the best players in the world, but I think if it's softer, it probably brings into play and gives a more advantage to those players that do hit it a bit longer off the team. Yeah, we're lucky now um, that we, you know, as whether it's betters or just fans of golf, we have so many stats available to us that probably weren't available 10 or so years ago. And for those of us who, unlike yourself, are, are very amateur when it comes in terms of sorting through strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained tee to green and all the other, all the other bits and bobs with these resources online, what would you recommend being the specific data points that you think are necessary for a player to go well at Augusta in? Yeah, so I think you need to play well on the par fives. So I think your par five scoring average um, has got to be good around there. Um, I think one that's quite important is the birdie to bogey ratio. So I think um, the last five, the, well, the last 10 champions have made more, on average, more than eight bogeys a week. So they're going to bogey holes. It's kind of reducing that number. Um, and making birdies as well, but I think I think around Augusta, it's key, especially the first two days, it's bogey avoidance is as, is as important as making birdies really. So someone that doesn't make a lot of bogeys is good. Um, I think you, as I've said, that 125 to 200 yard range, good proximities there, um, good strokes gain numbers in that area, and lag putting as well, long distance putting. So um, from the numbers I've put together for the players I work with, the ninth hole is the only hole on the green where lag putting is actually easier than the tour average um, so long putting is really really important and players are going to three put I think Alathabal in 99 was the last winner that didn't have a three put all week so three putts are going to happen bogeys are going to happen it's just who keeps them to a minimum really and I get, like I said around the green as I've said the last 10 winners have all come into Augusta positive strokes gained or positive Around the greens, meaning that they're they're chipping and they they get up and down well. So, um, I think that's a key factor as well. And one interesting thing I found a couple of hole specific things. Um, the seventh hole in particular, um, the leaders and the winners always play and score well around that hole. In terms of they separate themselves from the field on that hole, so their scoring average for the week is considerably better than the field on the seventh. And then after that, that run of holes, 12, 13, 14, is the next most important group of holes in that statistic. So where the leaders and the good players separate themselves from the field, they score better on those holes. So that's important as well. 
for, for those of us mere mortals who, who watch these, uh, these events every year on TV but will never have a chance to actually see Augusta and, and all the difficult things, you know, the, the, the ways that it, the problems it presents itself to, to golfers and stuff like that, you know, people always talk about the undulations and how different it is actually on course compared to what you see on TV. What are the challenges that makes Augusta such a special uh, track for these pro players to go and play? Yeah, I think I think as I said, I think both off the tee and approach approaching the greens, you need to know where to hit it. Um, it's not a case with a lot of PGA Tour courses you can just hit your ball, go and find it, and you've got a shot. I think with Augusta, you need to know if you hit it this side of the fairway, the ball's going to end up on the other side of the fairway, or you know, on on like I said for seven, for example, you need to know that if you hit it long there, it's kind of a risk and reward hole. You're going to avoid the trees, and it's a massive advantage. And as well on the greens, especially this year now without any greens books, um, knowing how the putts break and where the ball moves, the pin positions there are kind of predictable. So, you know, the four areas on the green they're going to choose, but it's understanding the breaks. And I think Augusta's famous for sometimes the ball doesn't go towards the hole where you think it's going to. So this is quite, this is where experience and why players that have played well around there do well and why rookies don't generally. And Duncan, I know you put together uh, a lot of preparation for the players and some of the players even towards the top of the market this week. Is there any specific changes this year as opposed to last year? You know, obviously we've seen the changes, that the, you know, quite drastic changes actually made to the 11th hole and uh, with the trees being moved on the right-hand side and actually a few, a few staying, which will be quite interesting over the week, and the, and the new team 15. Does that change uh, any player's preparation or... And what do you think is the right strategy now on the eleventh hole? Like, you know, has it turned into a draw, a draw off the tee now instead of you know a fade or? Yeah, I I, I think so. Starting with the eleventh, I think what they've done with the eleventh, they've lengthened it and like you said, cleared out the right side. I think um, I think the biggest strategy around eleven is you're going to be hitting longer irons into there, and from what I've been told on the practice day so far, the bailout to the right is even harder to get up and down. Um, so the drive becomes more important. So as you say, if you can draw one and get it down there a bit further, then you're going to leave yourself still a long shot. But I think the trick, the, the problem they're going to have is that this bailout area to the right um, isn't as easy as it used to be, even though it used to be really hard. So I think that's going to be even more difficult. So, I mean, for me and the strategy talking to some of the players I work with, if you can come out of the week on 11 better than two over, I think you'd probably be ahead of the field, is the simple numbers there. Um, so it's one of those holes where it's just damage limitation, I think. I don't think you should be trying to make a score there. I think it's hard as it is, and I think the extra distance and the fact that they've, the, you know, you'll be hitting longer irons in is difficult. And on 15, I think um, the strategy I've been talking to a couple of players there is, is the 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 layup is going to be more important? Um, I think it's going to be harder to take the green on, um, dependent on the drive. So it's all about a combination of where their best wedge play is played from, versus historically where on 15 the people get up and down from best. Um, and on 15, it's probably it's probably more the other par fives. It's closest better on a layup. So if you can get it as close to the green as possible, bet good. But with 15, it's I think you need to be hitting in from about 100 yards plus, 100, 110 yards is optimum. Anything above 85 yards will give you a full shot into the green. And the scoring difference 
historically isn't that much different from pitching in there. So you're not losing much for being further back, but you're certainly giving yourself a bit more of a chance to make a make a score there. But it'll be interesting. I think there's a few new greens as well from from what I've to so three, thirteen, and seventeenth have been relayed as well. So um, be interesting. And I've also they've they've extended the tee on eighteen, but they don't intend to use it so far. So we'll see. They may surprise us there. Brilliant stuff. Duncan, thank you very much for taking the time to join us and give us your thoughts, uh, fascinating insight into the test that Augusta poses and best of luck for the weekend. No problem, thanks. Yeah, thank you very much to Duncan for sharing his thoughts with us there. Plenty to chew over and now it is time to get Niall's tips and go through the market for the 2022 US Masters. And before we do, odds checker, I mean, it's hard to find a market more perfect to explain why odds check is so important as this one, because not only are there massive price variations in terms of players uh, across different bookmakers, but the place term is very from uh, a quarter to five to a fifth to the 11 places uh, with one firm or two firms as well, and plenty of free bets and offers there as well. So do check the odds checker grids or download the app on the app. You can get Niall's tips straight there first, not just for majors, but also every weekend as well. So do download it now. And looking at the market, uh, John Rahm is just about still the favourite at 12 to 1. Justin Thomas, 14 to 1. Cameron Smith, 18 to 1. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, 18 to 1. Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy, both 20 to 1. Colin Morikawa, uh, Brooks Kepka, and Victor Hovland, 22 to 1. Xander Shoffley and uh, Jordan Speed, 25, alongside Patrick Cantley, And then 40 to 1 bar. So quite a, a clear group of players there uh, from 25 to 1 and shorter who make up the favourites for this year's Masters. And Niall, the way this is going to work is we're going to go through your selections, which went out on the app and on site yesterday. And then we're going to look through some of the other market principles as well and get your thoughts on them too. But the headline pick is the man who sits second in the betting. Not the first time you've picked him up for the Masters either. Plenty of others doing so too. It is Justin Thomas. Yeah, I think I, I probably think he should be favourite. And I, he, he could still go off favourite on the exchange. But, you know, over the next couple of days, there's, there's been a lot of support for him over the last 24 hours or so. And it all adds up. You know, Justin Thomas has been has always been considered as one as one of the favourites to, to win at Augusta. And he's never quite done it. It's, and it's slightly surprising that he doesn't have a better record. There's always been something holding him back. And as I said in the in the preview that I wrote, it's mainly it's usually the putter that holds him back. Uh, but as we know, we talk about that week to week in previews and, and in any podcast we do. It's a, f- it's a fickle thing, the putter, and it can change week to week. Uh, his best finish here was fourth a couple of years ago in the November Masters, uh, which was actually soft as well, the one that Dustin Johnson won. You know, he was fourth place, but he was, I think he was eight shots behind Dustin Johnson. He, he was running away with it that year. Just, just, just on that year before you move on, do you factor as much weight into that November Masters as the other ones? Do you think the court, do you think the, the form from that Masters is as, as applicable as previous years where it's played at the same time of year? I don't see why not. You know, I don't think the conditions were that different. Well, especially this week with the weather that looks to be hitting Augusta today and maybe over the next 48 hours before the tournament starts, I think it will end up being soft. And it was, obviously it will be softer as a November Masters and it was. And you know, we, we talked about that at the time, that it would suit the likes of Dustin Johnson, you know, a high ball flight and a, and a long hitter. Uh, so it's go- It's certainly, I, I, would pl- I certainly wouldn't look at it as, you know, a Masters to ignore anyway. And there has been guys, you know, Cameron Smith, I think, was second yeah. that year, and he's played, he's played great stuff at Augusta uh, a few times before also. So uh, 
Yeah, well, Justin, he, Justin Thomas was fourth that year, but he never really contended. And the other years, you know, he has made six cuts on the, tr on the trot here, like, which is a, a decent enough record. And, of course, he hits those trends that, you know, plenty uh, will be looking at this week of, you know, a top 20 or, or a previous top 40 at least. Well, he has obviously a top 10, but, you know, the one thing missing is just he hasn't got in, in the contention here on the back nine. You know, he's got, he, I think he led after 36 holes last year, fell away uh, over the weekend. And as I said before, it's usually the putter that, that's the issue there. But he's putting well this year. Uh, it's in fact, it's his best year on the greens uh, for four years or so. So I don't think there's any negatives there. And of course, the tight lies that you get when you do miss greens around here. Justin Thomas is one of the finest exponents of getting up and down. Uh, you know, he, he, he gained plenty on the field in that department too. So this year, he, he's just playing phenomenal golf. He doesn't really, ha he doesn't have the win that, that some others do. In fact, there's a, there's a handful towards the top of the leaderboard that or towards the top of the market that don't have a win. John Rams and others, slightly surprising. Uh, been dominated by Scotty Scheffler over the last couple of months, really. But uh, yeah, Thomas is playing great golf. On paper, to me, uh, he's playing as almost similar golf to what Scotty Scheffler has, and, and a lot better than uh, Tita Green full game than, than John Ram. John Ram's having his struggles with a short game, obviously, and uh, whether they get amplified this week at Augusta or he, he begins to turn things around, we'll wait and see. But uh, there's certainly no negatives on paper for Justin Thomas, and it's no surprise there's been so much support for him over the last day or so. My job here is to obviously ask you questions about these selections, and it's I'm, I'm going to make them uh, as tricky as possible for you to justify. But with, with Thomas, do you um, worry about you know? There's no doubting his talent. There's no doubting the level of golfer he is in his position in the market. Consistently, will be right at the top end. But for a guy who's so talented, I mean, for a guy who's won so much on tour, his his major record isn't great. And you've often said, you know, when we t when we talk about these majors, you often say to me you can almost tell which players are knocking on the door in majors and they're going to go on to do so. And you look back, you know, he won the PGA Championship, the US PGA, back in 2017. Since then, he's only had three top tens, once uh, more in the PGA Championship, one in the Masters that you mentioned, and once in the US Open, tied sixth, fourth and tied eighth. Are you at all concerned when you're backing someone second favourite in this kind of field that he doesn't have that tendency to go out on Sundays at majors in contention? Uh, no, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, as I wrote in a... In a Previous article that I wrote, you know, I wrote last week, you know, about trends and, and things they got at Augusta, or uh, major championships. As you as you just said, there, you know, good results in the previous couple of major championships seem to be very important. But you know, Augusta will give us more of a clue what happens this week as to what's going to happen in the next yeah. couple of majors. So I wouldn't overly be looking at the, at the last one or two last year. But Thomas, as you say, has slightly disappointed in majors since winning the PGA, but. So many don't go on to win a second major. So many just—it's it, just too much of a feat. And Dustin, you—you you have to look at Justin or Dustin Johnson in, in those regards. It took him five years to get a second major, and it came at Augusta, you know, on a slightly softish uh, edition of it, which we could look very early on in this tournament. I think it could, it'll probably firm up over the weekend. But uh, certainly, Justin Thomas—I'll be surprised if he doesn't go and win another major. Uh, in the next couple of years and just the way you can't really look back and think it's not really a poor, if you've got a major in the, in the bag yeah. it's not it's it's not certainly not a poor major <laughs> record they're so hard to win there's so few of them that uh but when it comes around i think 
Justin Thomas definitely is capable of winning another one quite soon. And the golf that he's playing, there's just signs that uh, it might be his time to win his second, just like just Dustin Johnson was kind of hitting his peak before winning that November Masters also. Yeah, so Justin Thomas, the headline tip there, 3.5 points win. You put him up at 14 to 1. Uh, that is still just about there with Sport Nation uh, standout 14 to 1, a short 10 to 1 elsewhere. If you want to back JT each way, um, I think the best option you've got is Paddy Power, who are 10 places, a fifth, and they are 12 to 1 as it stands at the moment. On then to your second pick, uh, it is a player in, uh, you know, we talk about. Justin Thomas's major record, uh, Brooks Kepka has no issues at all in terms of getting his hands on silver when it, when it comes to majors. Although recently, you know, his good performances in majors haven't necessarily come with, with him on the podium afterwards. Probably just a bit of natural variance there, but a player who you think is set to go well this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that invincibility in majors has certainly, you know, diminished over the last couple of years. It's not quite as uh, lethal or as potent as, as what he quite was when he got into contention. He's, he's actually let a few slip through his fingers. Mm -hmm. the, the 2019 Masters were Tiger won. You know, Kepka really should have won that. There was a few who really should have. Dustin Johnson had massive chances there too. Um, Molinari as well. <laughs> yeah, plenty. Uh, you know, let, let that one slip through their fingers. Kepka was one of them. So uh, then there's been another few occasions since, you know, KO Island where he was uh, playing with Mickelson on the final day poor again just not quite the, the capco of old but uh obviously he's been plagued with injury over the, over the last number of years there's been various issues with that and uh but recently there was just signs especially at the Valspar, uh where he played very well uh tee to green and i think that there was a sign when he was going through a you know a mini slump i suppose uh early in 2021 and there was just signs like a couple of weeks before winning at Phoenix mm. that his game was coming together. And I think it's similar this time around. Uh, the performance at the Valspar was uh, pretty impressive. He went out in the quarters at the match play to Dustin Johnson, uh, which I think is probably a positive. You know, you get through the group and then you don't need to go through that absolute torture at the weekend of playing that much golf. It's hard work winning that match play. It's, it's a long week and uh, it's, it's probably a positive that you don't go all the way on that. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's got, a, he's got a great record here too. It's just a uh, couple of, uh, second here a couple of years ago, as I mentioned, in 2019, and, and seventh, and another couple, or another top 20 as well. I think it's time for just, for, it's just the same. So you're always looking, for me, I'm always looking week, even week to week in any ordinary events of, you know, especially of a, a golfer of his calibre who hasn't been playing great golf all season, but then when there's a sign that something's coming together, and especially before a major week, uh, I, th I think it's a talent sign. And then you, you think about the start of the week, with if the course is going to play soft over the, over the first couple of days, I think he's going to be one of the, those guys who can really capitalise upon that. It's interesting, you know, we think of him as and his major tournament uh, form as taking a dip, but since he won the US PGA in 2019, <laughs> the form is second, tied fourth, tied seventh, tied 29th, missed the US Open, no Open Championship, and obviously he missed the cut last year in the Masters, but then the PGA Championship, US Open, Open Championship, he's gone second, fourth and sixth. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And there was injuries concerns yeah, yeah. surrounded him when he missed the cut in the Masters there last year too, so. Are we, are we happy that he's fit going into this? Yeah, I think so. I don't see any, you know, the performance at the Valspar was 100% and then, 
match play looked, he, he looked spot on too. Just want to, you know, Dustin Johnson's finding a bit of game now too. Obviously beat him that week, but uh, yeah, there's no injury concerns for me this week, and he, he should be ready to go. And you know, I haven't really fallen into the trap of, of backing Brooks Kapka in the mate after you know after his invincibility period. And as you mentioned, so many top fives and top sixes there in, in, the, in these majors that he hasn't won. So you certainly wouldn't have been losing money if you had been backing each way. But I haven't been backing him throughout that period. But I'm, I'm very tempted this week, I have to say, just because of the signs recently, playing good golf. And I think he's, I think he's ready to win another one. And I think Augusta really suits him too. Um, you know, yeah, I thought the price-wise, you know, it's a strange market. I thought it was a very strange market this, this year, and especially towards the top. You know, there's about 10 golfers, you know, less than... 22 to 1 uh, and it's very hard to choose between and so many of them look short a short price I thought and he was one who didn't look a short price and I think he, he you know out towards about 24 on the exchange too it's I think it's a decent number okay that's two of Niall's tips ticked off there in Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka uh, two American players but now it's uh, a compatriot of yours uh, an Irishman who you think is set to go well as your third selection yeah, I think Shane Ari's just had a, a, a new level in the last couple of months. Uh, you know, the, the Honda was a, a, a big disappointment. You know, he, you know, four or five holes to go, he looked absolutely nailed on mm. uh, to win that. And it was only, you know, two miracles, really. Like, the finish from Stracker, which was incredible. I think he probably did three of the last four, maybe f the last four holes. And obviously the rain coming down then on the 18th, the PJ National was... Uh, just such a rotten turn of luck. And obviously, we've seen Larry win in the rain before. Obviously, in Port Rush and the Irish Open, of course, that he won as an amateur. But this this time, the rain went against him and, you know, turned to par five, basically, into par six. It was, you know, just made the hole so difficult. And so he was really unfortunate not to win there. He's followed it up with a couple of great performances, too. Uh, 13th at the Players at Sawgrass and 12th at the Valspar. And that just goes to show you what kind of level he's at. They're, they're golf court, technical golf courses, mm. you know, that you need to keep the ball in play. And, you know, years ago, you might not have thought that was one of Larry's strengths, you know, a golf course like that, because, you know, he hits the ball that far and with brute force. But his game has developed so well this season. And I think he's almost playing, you know, top five in the world level like you know, that that's that's how how good golf I, I consider that he's playing and he emerged from like you know there was a kind of uh many slumps so to speak after him winning the open championship and guys who have gone through that in their careers often find it very very difficult to get out of and long periods of you know uh poor performances and you know it just goes that way but larry has actually emerged from that pretty quickly and really really impressively and you know I think he, I think he'll strip better for that and he, you know, he comes to the Masters he hasn't ha hasn't had a great record in the Masters I think you know he finished the top 25 last year he's maybe beginning uh, to get the hang of it now he actually says that he, when he played with Tiger in 2020 he learnt a lot mm. and uh, I think things are just developing with Larry and I think he could easily win a second ma major championship. Maybe you know his best his best chance would be another Open, obviously. But he's playing that good golf lately. You know, right up there with the likes of Dustin or Justin Thomas and, and Scotty Scheffler. I think there's not many be better 
players from tee to green at the moment. And of course, we know strengths are you know on and around the greens. Well, on the greens, you know, it can be a bit of a lottery, but certainly around the greens, you know, there's no nobody better that if this course gets firm over the weekend that when you start missing greens, you know, Larry will gain a lot more than, than what he does normally on the field and uh, from off the tee and approach it's that's just off the charts it's, it's exciting to look at and you know getting the price of 50 to 1 or so at the start of the week was an exciting bet to have I think. Yeah 50 to 1 best price at the moment but only five places with those firms a bit of 45 to 1 six places 40 to 1 eight places as well a few firms clipped in since your uh, preview went out yesterday. Uh, fourth player now um, someone who's maybe uh, you know no shortage of major championship form, but someone who's dropped off the radar recently uh, and has certainly bounced back after a very, very difficult season last season in, in Mark Leishman. Yeah, like Leishman's one of those ones where, you know, as I, as I mentioned in the preview, you know, he'd be very popular among, you know, mug punters all week, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, he, he's obviously, has, he does have a really good record at Augusta. and I think if he's going to win a major, this is probably the most likely one to win. But uh, there's always signs that someone, you know, I, I did, I, I mentioned that before. So, you know, to win a major championship, going close in a previous major championship is almost a, a prerequisite these days. You know, if you haven't got a, you know, been in contention in one or two down the years, then, you know, very few burst onto the scene. But, you know, Morikawa's done it. Yeah. And, but very few, very few other. Uh, Players have actually done that, and you know, obviously Leishman's gone close a couple of times. He's, he's went close at Augusta too, but obviously he was beaten in a playoff in the Open, uh, you know, a number of years ago at St Andrews too. But there has been signs. I think you know, you know where you look at, at Larry's stats, you know, from tee to green, and they just bounce off the page to you. Mark Leishman's actually don't, but I think there's reasons behind that. Uh, you know, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he, did, he, he finished 68th there, but he, he doesn't really like the greens. Uh, at Sawgrass, he missed the cut, but he missed the cut on a number, and he was at the wrong side of the draw. You know, there was a th you know, three and a half shot difference or something between the, the, the two sides of that draw. Yeah. You know, Cameron Smith won it from the right side of the draw, which we'll maybe talk about later on. But, uh, and then in the, in the match play, he ended up in a group with Justin Thomas and Kevin Kistner, which, you know, is, is a group of death, really. So I think he could be playing better golf than what... Uh, the numbers actually suggest. Plus, he has everything to contend at Augusta, and he has done before. And I think if he gets in or around the lead, he's one of the, he's one of the best in the world actually at uh, being able to cope with that. In any event, he's he's won plenty of events before, and he's won uh, FedEx Playoff. He's won the best events, you know, going bar major. And I think, you know, experience counts for a lot around here too. And he, he's in the mould of. Sergio and Matsuyama, yeah. who win this, you know, at the right time in their career. He's, you know, he's got plenty of experience under his belt. So, I think there could be a time where you know a guy like Leishman uh, can win a Masters, and you know, sitting at eighty to one there at the start of the week. Uh, as I say, I think that price was there because his numbers recently, you know, aren't as impressive as many others around him. But that he is, you know, an archetypal, you know golfer who could win this just just in the mold as I say as Sergio and Matsuyama so I think he's worth taking a, a chance on just yeah one point each way you put him up at 80 to 1 70 to 1 now best price that's with 365 who are eight places uh, for Mark Leishman 
a couple more, um, one at a similar price, and then Tony Finau, someone you know you mentioned who'll be popular um, with with mug punters and leashmen. Uh, Finau certainly, if I'm a mug punter, always popular with me. Um, Sixty-six to one, he is at the time of recording, and you know, the Finau story. Um, it's a ridiculous one where such consistent golf over such a prolonged period of time without a win gets that win finally gets over the line and things just unravel very quickly from there is this a case of we're starting to see signs of him returning to the kind of form that we saw before yeah absolutely and uh, there's just signs in the, in the match play uh, he had a tough group in the match play too but his final game when he was already out of, out of the event he mm. shot seven under and beat uh, Xander Schofield four and two, uh, and Xander Schofield was less than half the price sort of this week. And Xander yeah. Schofield is basically showing nothing either this year. Yeah. You know, he's he's very hard to back anyway. Uh, but you know, he'll be he'll be your standard twenty-two to one poke mm. in every single major, no matter what. <laughs> he, you know, he doesn't drift for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I can't I can't get my head around it. <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously, Phoenix at a dollar price from Tita Green. Or well, off the team on approach last week at Felsbar, things were. You know, absolutely fine. Around the green and on the greens is where his problem's been all season. And uh, there were signs last week, you know, that the putter turned around. He was putting quite well, but around the green could be an issue this week, especially if it gets firm over the weekend. But Fina loves this track. You know what I mean? You know, he even played well after his ankle. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, and he's another one who has. He's he's got a great major record. You know what I mean? And that he's won close numerous times. He's got a, a right handful of uh, top five and tens and majors now, so he's got that experience. And you know, as we've talked about before, that base camping thing, you know, where you, you need a good performance in a major before before going on to win one. He's just in that mold. And I was actually surprised at the start of the week that sixty sixes and all was still about because the, the seven under was there in the match play. There was a sign that things had turned around, and then at the Vals Bar last week, it was a, it was a. a respectable effort for someone who's been struggling recently so he goes to Augusta of course that he loves and he pulls out his best stuff for major championships that you know that it's as simple as that his major record is absolutely superb so certainly just another one at the prices who was worth worth taking on with you know as I said earlier plenty looking short towards the top yeah top 10 Tony five top 10s in his last uh, eight majors uh, just goes to show the kind of golf he plays on the biggest stage and as you say certainly signs that things are starting to turn around for one of those popular guys on tour um as i say just it was the relief when he finally got that win um it was so predictable that after that the consistency would go uh your final selection uh, at a big price is uh, max homer someone who you know those who criticize him would point at his major record uh, as being far below what it should be for a golfer of his of his quality yeah, well, I think he's only had a couple of majors, and they've been here at the, they've been here at the Masters, or he's actually he's, he's had more actually, but he's only played twice at the Masters, yeah. two missed cuts. Uh, you know, that's the big negative this week. Obviously, with home a, a very poor major record, but on paper, the golf that he's playing is bouncing off the page to me. Uh, before the match play, which you you can't really put too much emphasis off, like throughout the Phoenix. The Genesis, Arnold Palmer, and Sawgrass. He wasn't outside the top twenty, which is it's an incredible run of form, especially for someone who's been renowned for playing well on the West Coast. So he started going to the East Coast, and you know, top twenties at the Arnold Palmer, Sawgrass. You know, really, really impressed me. And from tee to green, he's as good as as many. Uh, there's not that many better than him this season. 
so impressive numbers. Has the win this season also as well. He won at the back end of last year, the Fortnite. And obviously that's a, one of those trends that we always look that often pops up that someone has, has got a win earlier on the season. I mentioned that in, in an article that I wrote that Rory McIlroy is another who has the win earlier on. There's plenty at the top of the market don't. But Max Homer does. And he also has the added bonus of the Riviera form where you run Riviera a couple of years ago. Uh, which actually beat Tony Finau, which is another bonus for, for uh, Finau backers too uh, in a playoff that week. So yeah, he ha he's a big bonus winning Riviera because that, that form translates so well to Augusta. And uh, yeah, playing well all season. It was just one of those ones that I thought was definitely worth uh, a chance at triple figures. Yeah, so those are Niall's selections for the Masters this year. We've gone through them all, but before we let Niall go, we're going to go through the market principles. So some of those at the top end, some of the household names will surely be popular. There's plenty watching this and betting on the weekend's golf. And we'll start with a favourite in John Rahm, who is currently 12 to 1, just ahead of JT. But as you said, a chance, given the way the market is moving, that Thomas could go off favourite come Thursday afternoon. Probably draw dependent as well, depending on the weather too. Um, but John Rahm, another one who he's basically always favourite these days for, for majors at the moment, uh, yet to win one. Um, and is he someone you were pretty easy to cross off your list uh, ahead of this? Not, not, not quite as easily as you, as you might think. I, I reckon for you know the last three or four months, I was thinking he would probably be the one that I would be backing when it came around to it towards the top of the market, but he's just struggling so much on and around the greens mm. that it's hard to see it turn around so much. You, you, know, uh, you know, as Duncan mentioned, you know, around the greens so important, and, and the previous winners have all been performing quite well in that department coming in, so it's, got, it's difficult to find it. The one thing is that his long game is in superb nick, and it's one of the reasons why I backed him at Sawgrass. I uh, was quite disappointed with his performance, but from tee to green, he's, or well, off the tee and on approach, he is playing so well, as good as, as basically anybody else. So that's the risk of uh, when you're leaving him out. The long game is in such good condition that uh, you know if he just holds a few putts early doors and gets into contention early on a Thursday, you know. You know, he's got a great chance of winning it, but it's just the risk in, in turning that around. And if we see a firm golf course over the weekend, then you know, the short game just might really struggle. And at the price, you know, if he had drifted to maybe 12s or 14s, you, you know, you might have took the chance, but you know, around the 10 or 11 to 1 mark, it just doesn't really appeal. A bit of a surprise, I would say. I mean, for those people who do look at golf markets once a year um, and see Cameron Smith sitting uh, alongside Scotty Scheffler. Um, as kind of joint third favourites, both 18 to 1, market price 12, 14 to 1. I mean, in my view, it's, I mean, certainly in, in the case of Smith, it looks, it looks far, far too short. And Ben Coley, who of course has been on this podcast with us a couple of times from Sporting Life, wrote in his preview that he reckons Cameron Smith is about 10 points too short. Um, where would you see that and, and where would you have them in your, in your kind of tissue market? Yeah, I totally agree with Ben. Uh, he actually, we were messaging around on the week, and, I, and he, he gave me a real good nugget, actually, that he's never won a tournament without being the best putter in the field, mm. which, you know, is incredible, really. So, you know, if you're thinking, he, you know, he could win this week, you know, is, does he need to be the best putter? That's, you know, a big, you know, thing to, thing to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, but that is as a strength, mind you. Uh, on and around the greens, he's an absolute wizard. Yeah. And he obviously won in Hawaii and he won at Sawgrass, but it's worth noting that he won at Sawgrass from the right side of the draw 
and arguably Keegan Bradley's performance was a, a fair bit better than him that week and you know it was a, a very unlucky loser uh, but yeah the price is far too short I can't see many people getting involved with that this week you know we backed him uh, I put him up here in the, the November edition Masters at, at triple figures and you know he's obviously got form around Augusta now but taking the 14 or 16 to 1 just I can't see an interest in any. I think he's probably the worst price of anyone towards the top of that field. And as you say, what Ben said, ten points bigger, you know, around twenty five is, is looks the mark to me. And it's probably still wouldn't even tempt me to buy. <laughs> and how about Scotty Scheffler, world number one? Yeah, well, his price is right. You know, I, I think I think that's around his mark. Uh, I mean, he's, good, he's he's one of those where if you back him for every major at about sixteen to one over the next ten or so, you're probably going to hit yeah, on you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know he's playing that well lately. That he, he just has to have a huge chance. But uh, the expectation on him is massive this week. And he obviously he arrives at world number one in the world. He was he's got a very high profile this week. Everyone will be wanting a piece of him. And you know he, he's got a couple of top tens of majors already in a short major career so far. So that's impressive. But whether he can get it's a tall order to come here after winning three times in the last couple of months and big tournaments at that as well. You know, if he goes and wins the Masters after doing that, you know, that's Tiger you know, stuff, that's stuff <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? That, yeah. That's really, so just realistically speaking, you, you just can't see him winning it, yeah. you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to gloss over him too, to be fair. Uh, Dustin Johnson, winner of the November Masters, uh, comes here. He's 20 to 1 alongside Rory McIlroy. Uh, player who you've uh, stuck up for a, a fair bit in recent weeks. Yeah, well, Dustin's found a bit of form recently. You know, there's definitely signs at the match play that things are coming together for him. So I definitely wouldn't rule him out. And, uh, you know, if it's soft over the first couple of days, you know, that'll give him an even be better chance. Uh, just he, he hasn't quite hit the heights after winning the, that Masters since. And whether he can, you know, Winning another Masters here in April will be will almost need another you know career performance you know yeah. what I mean? which is just seems a bit unlikely for Dustin Johnson for me at the minute and probably seems a bit unlikely for Rory McIlroy too even though I think the price of around twenty to one is a lot more tempting than the likes of Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler and he likes it soft as we know yeah and you know he's played well here numerous times before and he can turn it on like that so. Uh, he certainly isn't one I could rule out, and as I wrote in, a, in, a, in an article there a couple of weeks ago, he does hit a lot of those trends, and he's won earlier on in the season, and uh, he hasn't missed a cut, which is another trend that a lot of, of golfers hit who went the Masters that they haven't missed a cut that year. McIlroy's playing reasonably well, so uh, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off going on a 20-1, to 1, but uh, there's just a, a right few more likely winners around. I think his price is about right, as opposed to Smith, but... Uh, yeah, it's just it's hard to see him putting in that effort to, to win the Masters just at, at the minute too. Well, you put it, up it would be painful. It would be <laughs> painful, even though as an Irishman... Surely, man, surely and, we can and, just cheer him on, uh, can't we? Yeah, I, I guess we can, but I'd be thinking about the It'd be the more painful to see him getting contention on the Sunday and then, you know, um, yeah. have, have a Rory Sunday. Uh, you put up Brooks Kepko, we spoke about, who's 22 to 1, a couple of players either side of him. Um, two of the most exciting young golfers in world golf. Colin Morikawa, 22 to 1, double major winner. Victor Hofland, 22 to 1, a, a future major winner. Yeah, absolutely. And is the, is the price of a bit Morikawa maybe a bit disrespectful? Who knows? It could turn out to be, 
you know, what, how many times did we kick ourselves with Bruce Katka, you know, drifting towards that kind of mark and I'll snap back on him and win on a couple of majors. Uh, Maury Cowell could be in the same mould, you know, because he's, he's already got two under his belt. He's won the, he won the last major, of course, at St George's. So, uh, yeah, he has every chance and he has the game around Augusta too that that precision iron play should certainly catapult him into contention a few times here during his career. Uh, maybe just not lighten it up uh, as much as other golfers around him at, around the same price bracket. That, you know, you could leave him off the list. He wasn't before St George's, was he either, really? Yeah, I guess so, <laughs> yeah. So, but he's won, you know, a lot depends on the putter too. You know, you know he's not as consistent with a putter as, as, as the other top golfers in the world. But when he does have a good week, then, you know, you're in real danger. Victor Hovland has been one of the foreign golfers of the year, of course. Uh, and I don't see many negatives. I think he'll, he'll, he'll probably win a major t soon too, but I prefer almost a back and first round leader here. I think, you know, the short game will probably come to bite him at some stage this week. And especially if the course gets firm over the weekend and there is more chance of it being soft at the start maybe on thursday so i, I definitely think as opposed to back in victor hovland outright he's certainly worth a look in the, in the first round leader market and then you know given a, a certain lack of experience and major contention plus the frailties around the greens when the tough gets go when the going gets tough at the weekend it might just find him out a little i mean he'll maybe you know strip fitter for that in, in majors to come but nevertheless uh, he, he definitely does tempt me as a first round leader bet. It's worth remembering that last uh, year um, in 2022 which was his, his second appearance he made a seven on the first and ended up shooting a 73 with three three birdies following up as well so uh, certainly someone you, know, you don't want him to make a seven on the first but um, but but someone who's made birdies uh, in difficult times at Augusta in the past. Um, we can't do a Masters preview Niall especially with yourself and not talk about Jordan Spieth, who is 25-1 to 1 alongside Xander Shoffley and, and Patrick Cantlay. But let's focus on Spieth because... This would be painful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a guy we've spoken about a lot, especially in this competition. He is, you know, he bounced back to, to some form ahead of, the, um, ahead of the Masters last year. You know, we were both on and we were both quite excited about his chances. He just came up short behind Hideki Matsuyama. Doesn't come into this. Um, event in the same kind of nick, but you know, is, is basically double the price here. Um, can you see a case? Are you going to let him go on back to 25 to 1? Yeah, there were certainly signs last week that he was getting together from Tita Green. Not good with the putter again, and that's the issue. You know, when we backed him last year, it was absolutely unbelievable from Tita Green again, yeah. one of the worst putters in the field. Might you get the same performance this year? It's certainly a chance, but I don't think he's coming in with the form. You know, Tita Green than he did last year, but then again, as you say, you do get the bigger price. And it's very hard not to have a few quid at least on, <laughs> on the machine to get your stakes back for the week if it doesn't yeah. go to plan. But uh, yeah, watching Jordan Spieth win without being on him in the, the Masters would be mega painful, especially for me. But uh, you'll be on. I've got, I've got no doubt that if I text you on Sunday afternoon and, and Jordan's too clear, I said, Did you have any? You'll reply saying, Yes, I did. <laughs> whether, whether, that, whether that is at 30 to 1 uh, on Thursday morning or at 2 to 1 on the morning of, of Sunday morning, I think we'll see. Uh, he's not yeah. going to win unbacked. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, Patrick Cantley, the, the last one of this group who's, who are 25 to 1 or, or shorter, um, a golfer I'm pretty sure you've told me in the past 
you would ne- you you written them off as being one you weren't going to back. But then I read in your in your uh, in your staking plan that you you did toy with the idea of putting them up here. Yeah, I definitely considered them, and it was only because, as we've talked about, plenty towards the top of the market just don't look a bit short. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I would have thought we got we we would get bigger than that on on the week when you know the bookies get competitive. You know, it's really twenty to one or eighteen to one you're looking at there, and it just doesn't quite cut the mustard. And that's really the reason why, you know, I went with Katka over Cantley. Uh, but I think he really has the tools for Augusta, and he's playing great stuff this year. And you know, he strikes me as someone you know at the minute who's maybe third or fourth best golfer in the world. You know, but. Uh, I'm not quite seeing the wins for it lately, but he was absolutely stupendous towards the end of last season. Uh, obviously, won the memorial that Ram had to pull out of. There was numerous other great performances too, and I think uh, I think that's going to stand him in good stead in the next couple of years in the majors. That when he gets into contention, uh, you know he'll be able to do the job. But so far, it's been a pretty dismal uh, major record. You know, he went close here in 2019, but bar that, you know, it hasn't been overly impressive. Uh, and that's probably just a, enough of a reason not to get involved at that price. This is the time where you uh, tell me my selection is, is well, you, you used to always tell me it was a bad one, but I think recent years we've done a bit better. But I backed Will Zalatoris, second here last year on debut, um, putting in the kind of performance that really made him arrive on people's radar, I guess. Um, one of the best in the world, tee to green, um, one of the worst in the world when it comes to, to putting. And, you know, I've... There'll be a few nervy moments for those who back, those of us who backed him over the weekend when standing over those those five footers. Um, can you can you see why? I mean, can you you're going to tell me I've I've dropped a dropped a clanger here, or can you can you see? No, the, no, uh, absolutely. He was in my final list of about seven or eight golfers that I was thinking of backing for this. And uh, you know, winners of this winners of this major down the years have all struggled. There, there's been numerous golfers who have struggled with a short game. Yeah. Matsuyama obviously being one, Garcia another. Bubba Watson is never renowned for a short game, so uh, you know Will Salatoris is in that bracket where you know he's got real frailties with a putter, but plenty of won this. You only need a good week, and you know as Baron Coley po- pointed out in his in, in his preview this week, he doesn't miss that many of them. Mm. It might look really unpretty, you know what yeah. I mean? It l- looks nasty, but you know he doesn't miss an, an awful lot of them and he didn't miss an awful lot in the match play too when you think about it and you know there were a lot of important putts you know inside 10 feet to, to keep matches going there so uh, yeah he was one of those ones certainly at a, at a decent price around 35 and 33 to 1 mark which is very tempting and hits a lot of the trends too of having you know fin- obviously finished second the debut that's what Spieth done and then he went and won, that, won it the following year so he could follow in the same footsteps and he's certainly talented enough to do it just struck me it just seemed bizarre for his price to be so much bigger than some of the guys he's kind of developing at a similar age and at similar points in their in, in their golfing career as well when there's no suggestion that Will Zalatoris is any less talented yeah. uh, than some of those at the top end final one before we move on and you see my horrific putting stroke on the golf course uh, where I do miss a lot of putts um, Bryson DeChambeau because you know Bryson is of course one of the box office names in golf he's currently 50 to 1 to win this one a player who his relationship with Augusta thus far hasn't been a particularly happy one. There are serious fitness issues, issues here. Uh, is there any chance of making a case for Bryson, or is this a case of those casual golf fans of just warning them off, don't get too excited by the big price? I was getting really excited about like 10 to 1 or something a couple of years ago, wasn't <laughs> it? It was a bit embarrassing now looking back. But uh, 
you know, towards 40 or 50 to 1, it certainly catches the eye, but he's so lightly raced this year, you know, he, you know, he hasn't played much golf at all, that it's hard to see him coming in and, you know, land on a Masters. But then again, he's played that poorly here the last couple of years that, you know, maybe this is the preparation he needs, who knows? Uh, but I do think, actually, his game isn't, or is, is suited to Augusta, no matter what anyone tells me. Uh, obviously, he's going to, you know, bash the driver and try and get as far down as many holes as possible. And he finds the trouble in some trees, which, you know, obviously you could stray the ball at Augusta, but when he gets with his driver involved, he has actually ended up in a few higher spots over the last couple of years. But certainly around the 40 to 50 to 1 mark, it catches the eye Like It just depends on what kind of... He, he's certainly one who could surprise everybody and turn up an actually decent nick when you, when you least expect it. You know, if there's anybody that can do that, it might be him, so... Uh, you went off a massive price in the US Open that you won as well, do you remember? They yeah. drifted miles out to kind of 34, 36. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. there weren't any, yeah. any fish, fitness issues yeah. then. Um, I, I won't be back in Bryson. But um, last one, always have a look at the specials markets here as well, because of course, if you look on the, on the odds checker site, it's not just um, the winner market, it's not just the first round leader market as well, where I should have said Victor Hovland is a 28 to 1 shot um, with most firms after Niles, and that could be the way to play. Victor, um, but we've also got the top region markets and other and other bits as well, um, with, with the different categories too. Anything you'd like to put up there? Yeah, I think there's a couple worth taking on. Uh, Matsuyama being one on the top Asian. Uh, I was quite keen on Matsuyama's chances before last week, sim simply because of the price that was available. You know, he was he was heading towards the 50 mark in the exchange, and I thought it was maybe slightly insulting given, yeah. you know, his form around here and his form all year, in fact. But obviously, he pulled out last week with an injury. Um, you know, pr the previous winner tends to struggle an awful lot. You know, Dustin Johnson missed the cut last year after winning it, and that's indicative of plenty of, of Masters champions down the year. So I think he actually might struggle now, especially with the injury concerns. And I would like to take him on to see Wu Kim, who has you know a pretty decent record around Augusta, a couple of top 25s, I think, and uh, played really well in Texas last week. So I definitely think Matsuyama is worth taking on there in the top Asian. And 16 to 5 best price Siwoo and that's with Unibet yeah and as I've mentioned obviously I, th I really do think that Cameron Smith's far too short in the top Aussie market so it's just who you want to take him on with mm. and obviously I've backed Leishman so I think Leishman is probably the one to take him on with around 4 to 1 Adam Scott playing some good golf this year too you know it'd probably be a toss up between those two can't really see Lucas Herbert making many gains around here Norman Wing Lee or Cameron Davis you know doesn't hasn't been too impressive lately like so I quite like Mark Leishman I think he'll go well in that market and definitely just for price wise I simply think they should be closer together I don't think you know you've got Cameron Smith around 11 to 10 mark there I think he should probably be you know closer to 2 to 1 9 to 4. Would you back Leishman each way here because it's uh, you got a, a six runner race further two? Yeah I'd say so yeah I think it'll probably be a, a race between the top three mm. and it, it actually wouldn't surprise me at all to see Cameron Smith struggle this week never mind I think it's a bad price but it wouldn't I, w I wouldn't be surprised if he actually struggles. There you go Brennan Cameron Smith back is out there turning off the, the the video now as we go do download to the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find plenty more preview content across all sports not just golf weekly racing shows as well the Odds Checker betting show racing racing weekly there too and you can find this on any podcast platform as well do download the odds checker app where you can find the very best prices bookie offers free bets and place terms crucial 
your master's betting as well and Niall's tips, Andy Holdings tips as well, straight to the app as well. Thank you very much for Niall for joining us and to Duncan Carey. Check them both out on social media as well. Fingers crossed for an unbelievable weekend at Augusta and what is an incredible week of sport as well. But as ever, please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.